Hello and welcome to one more episode before we finally move on to season three. I've given these segments a lot of thought because there will be a few of them. I'm hoping to do a six month out, a three month out, and a one month out checklist slash check-in. Now, just so you know, season three will begin with a three month check-in slash checklist, just like this episode. So if you listen to this episode and then you decide you have so much to do, I'm giving you a few months to do all those things. So don't be overwhelmed, just bookmark where you're at in the planning and what else you need to do before you move on to season three, which will be all about tasks for that last phase of wedding planning. But for now, you are six months out from your wedding, so let's dive in. I went back and forth on creating actual checklists because no two couples are going to be in the exact same place at the six month out mark. And of course it depends on your overall engagement timeline. Did you have a year to plan, two years or eight months? And were you actively planning the whole time or were there breaks? I still wanna start with a checklist and then talk more generally about checking in at the six month out mark. For listeners just tuning in, I think the checklist will be really helpful. And for those who have been following along with my podcast in order, you'll be able to understand more in depth some of the concepts we've been talking about this whole time. You might want to get a piece of paper and a pen and write down items that you have not yet done or even check things off that you have done. I love the app Wedding Happy, and I know a lot of websites have checklists. The Knot.com has a comprehensive one, but Wedding Happy is my favorite. Uh, Feel free to look into that free app. It has a generative task list. Um, it makes the task list based on your wedding date and it's a great app format that I feel like is really helpful between, especially between partners to be able to share. So at six months out from your big wedding day, if you've been diligently planning for one to three months before this point, I hope that you have celebrated and announced your engagement, determined your budget, built a guest list, researched and found a venue, booked your venue and set your date. In my world, I call it the core four, venue, guest list, budget, and date. Everyone asks you, where is your wedding and when is your wedding? And those are important, venue and date. But you also need to consider how many, guest list, and how much, budget. Those are your core four, and with those in place, perhaps you have also asked friends to be your bridesmaids and groomsmen, considered who else you want involved in the ceremony, maybe the officiant, the ring bearers, the flower girls, and begun wedding dress shopping. Now, if you've had more like four to six months of time before this six month out point, along with doing those core four items, I'm hoping you're also dipping into the vendor phase and reaching out to booking vendors. Here is a common list of all the vendors, and I'm sure you haven't done all of them yet, but here is the list. A wedding coordinator or planner, this might be someone who comes in from the beginning or you're going to have them more day of or week of. Rentals, tables and chairs, a wedding arch, heat lamps, anything to outfit your venue for guests in your general way. Along with catering, are they also bringing beverages? Are they bringing linens? Are they agreeing to set up the linens, plates, cutlery, or is that separate? Cake or dessert, photography, videography, florist, Music, maybe a DJ and or a band. Does that include all the AV equipment or do you need additional power or amplification or mics? Hair and makeup artists, photo booth, portable restrooms, valet parking or shuttle service if needed. Wedding rings, the bands for both of you. 
wedding day outfits for the bridesmaids and groomsmen if that's your domain to coordinate a wedding dress and or wedding suits for you, the couple, and then any any additional decor for the wedding. If you haven't started booking vendors or if you've done a few but not all, I recommend starting with items related to the space itself first. So the rentals, the catering, the beverages, anything else related to the wedding venue. And then reach out to DJs, photo booths, florists, videographers, hair and makeup. I think the exception to that rule is photography. Um, Photographers book up quickly and I find that a lot of people know a couple photographers they really want to reach out to. So they get right on to that. I also find hair and makeup books up quickly depending on your area. So if that's something that's really important to you, maybe you've put that at the top of your list to do right after this podcast. Call, text, and email. CTE. If you've listened to my podcast, you know what that means. You need to reach out to, in a perfect world, a few different vendors so that you can really make sure that the person's price is competitive by having a couple other quotes to compare it to. And then with that information, you're able to make your choices and book your vendors. I really don't check off a vendor until a contract is signed and a deposit has been paid. If you aren't sure what you should spend to stay in your budget, Google an online pie chart breakdown of the percentages of what each vendor should cost. Let's say they recommend not spending more than 10% of your overall budget on flowers and you have a $20,000 budget. Flowers shouldn't exceed $2,000. And so if you're getting quotes that are far above that, you may need to do additional research or you may need to find more budget that you can pull from another area that you're underspending in. There are a ton of these out there, these pie charts, and it's good to look through a few of them and even build out your own because they're not all alike and your wedding may have some vendors, but not others. Maybe the pie chart you're looking at doesn't include portable restrooms, but you need to hire those, that type of thing. So that's the checklist, but let's also do a quick check-in. What has your process been like so far? Maybe you had to span the holidays or vacations and it hasn't been a steady effort. I would say that's normal. Don't beat yourself up about it if you didn't get right into planning or if you needed to start and stop and start again. That's super normal. Let's go back to your engagement. Telling friends, hopefully celebrating with family. Did you have a chance to brainstorm some initial hopes and dreams for your wedding? This is one of the most commonly overlooked steps in the process right at the beginning really thinking through what your dream wedding looks like. If you haven't had the chance to do this, go back to episode one, season one, if you want to be prompted through that brainstorm. Also, I have a worksheet on my website that I'll link below. It's a worksheet to fill in what you want from from the rehearsal dinner all the way through to the wedding day and even afterwards. That's a super helpful exercise I do with my wedding couples. I do it first when they're engaged right at the beginning before they even start planning. And then we revisit the worksheet at around this timeline. So it's a perfect place to check back in at six months out, see what things you could fill in now because you've booked those people. Um, maybe a couple of things have changed, just seeing where you're at now. The other super common mistake I see people make is to not think through how all the events within the wedding weekend lead up to one another. Is your rehearsal dinner taking place nearby to the venue or nearby to where you're staying? Is the rehearsal ceremony at the venue the day before the wedding? Thinking through the weekend as a whole, how each event will flow into the other. You need to be on site for the 3 p.m. rehearsal and then you're going to the rehearsal dinner. Are you going to have people change before that? Are they going to have time to go back to the hotel? That type of thing. 
These are the types of details that many of your family and inner circle will need to know as it gets closer, and you've really got time on your side with six months to go, but it's helpful to start thinking of your wedding weekend in these terms. What about honeymoon planning and peripheral events? I have podcast episodes all about these two topics because the other thing I really like to do is break out a calendar with the six months leading up to your event in mind. Do you have bridal showers planned? Do you have bachelor, bachelorette parties planned? How does your wedding weekend fall? Is it the first of the month? So you need to look at the month before. Do you have three friends' weddings back-to-back the weekends leading up to your wedding or a vacation with family two weeks before? If you can, I would love for you to block out the four weekends leading up to your wedding for wedding prep. Listen, no one actually does this and no one's able to do this because life is going on even as you're engaged and likely you have friends and other family members planning their events as well. But if you're a busy couple with full-time jobs, especially nine to five, Monday through Friday, and you're really relying on the weekends, I don't want you to underestimate how those weekends leading up to your event, you'll have a lot to do. And it'll be really helpful if you're in town and if you're able to devote those weekends to planning. So look at your calendar, see if you can block off any of those weekends leading up to your wedding. Put on your calendar one month out wedding planning. Also put your honeymoon on your calendar and any other peripheral events that you know about. I call peripheral events just any other wedding related events like bridal showers, bachelor parties, that type of thing. It's normal if you don't have any of that booked yet, but it can be helpful now that you're looking at your six month out timeline to see that, wow, actually it's gonna be ideal to do it within this season. I need to reach out to my maid of honor and let her know um, that we're shooting for this month or these, these two months. And that'll give me plenty of time to have my event, come back home, unpack, do some wedding planning leading up to the event. If possible, I recommend not planning things as I've kind of said in a different way. Leaving those weekends blank leading up to your wedding means that you would have your bachelorette party. You'd have a lot of those other events. All of those would be wrapping up before the one month out mark. Now, if it's an in-town bridal shower and you're able to do some planning and have a bridal shower, that's maybe a little different. But as far as traveling out of town, doing those events, try to still give yourself a gap from when all those things finish up to a little bit of time to do your one month out planning and then your event. One last piece of the puzzle for me is mailings and print materials, which is anything you give to your guests, a save the date or an invitation. If you're six months out, you have options for mailings. If you've already sent your save the dates, that's great. But if you haven't and you're trying to decide at this point if you either need to rush to do that or should you just wait and spend the next two months really dialing in the elements of your event that you would be happy to share with your guests and then build a website, build a registry, design an invitation, solidify your guest list and send those invites more like four and five months out in advance of your wedding. So those are two options. You can rush to do the save the dates, give yourself time to do the invites at the four or five month out mark. You know, you could even rush to send your save the dates out in the next month or so, and you could wait um, to send those formal invitations more like two or three months in advance if you needed more time to make all those elements come together. Because for me, I really love when couples have built out their website, gotten everything solidified for them to send out the invitations. What's really common, and I talk about this a lot in the episodes relating to the this topic, so I encourage you to go more deeply into that in those episodes. I talk a lot about how it's it's common that a save the date would be sent out 
before you really have a ton of your elements dialed in just so that people can save the date on their calendar and know generally like the city that your wedding is taking place in. And a lot of times people include their wedding website on the save the date, even if it's not fully fleshed out. Like a lot of the pages might say coming soon where they don't have their registry dialed in yet. But by the invitation phase, you want to make sure the website, the registry, all the information, any hotel blocks, anything that people need to book their travel and book their rooms and accommodations that's on the website, it's a really good look for that to come at the invitation phase. So just know that as you're considering when that's going to happen for you and maybe put on your calendar. I would say four to six months out is a good block of time to send your invitations. I mean, we're at the six month out mark now. um, And so four months out is fine. If you want to spend the next two months dialing in a couple of these additional to-do list items, then sending out your invitations. And if that's still too soon, two to three months out is also acceptable, especially if if you've sent a save the date. One last thing I encourage you to do for fun is to make a mood board if you haven't already. It can feel a little vision boardy, but I really find it comforts couples by taking a bunch of pictures on Pinterest or other places and making a beautiful compilation. It helps couples see that they have an aesthetic that they like. They have colors they're gravitating toward or details that showcase their dream wedding. You can use canva.com for free. They have templates on there for collages and mood boards or a keynote presentation is free on most Mac computers. I use that for my mood boards. Um, You could even do, you know, an actual mood board with paper and magazines and all that. But I would say that leveraging online resources like Pinterest are going to allow you to type in a few things, collage a few items together, and then that's a really beautiful central image that can be clarifying and encouraging to you. It doesn't take long to make, and it becomes a really helpful tool to people you're speaking with. If it's friends and family, wedding planners, but mostly vendors, this is something you can show them and say, well, this is, this is kind of my mood board. This is my dream aesthetic. There's a couple photos there that kind of highlight which direction you're going in. And I have a whole episode on how to make that in more detail. If you want to look through that, it's in season one. With all that, I'll give you a few months to get those things done. And I will see you in season three, where we'll have our three month out checklist and check-in. See you then.